Welcome to Impact Church's podcast with Pastor Travis Hearn. Pastor Travis also serves as the team pastor for the NBA's Phoenix Suns and has served Major League Baseball as the team chaplain for over a decade. Today, he leads us with a powerful and hope-filled message. We're so glad you're tuning in, and we believe that wherever you're listening from, that God will impact your life through today's message. I want us to start by reading a scripture together out of 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. If, you, if you're ready, tell somebody else, you, you really need to pray for some humility. Tell them with conviction, let them know, with conviction. You really need to pray for some humility. Here's what it says. Let's read this together. Second Chronicles chapter seven, verse 14. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. And and that was some of you reading it out loud. So let's try for all of us and we'll try it again. And if it works, we can move on. All right, here we go. Second Corinthians chapter uh, Chronicles chapter seven, verse 14. If my people, which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Amen. I love scriptures like this because it's, it's a four point sermon. It's, it's a scripture that's already a four point sermon. And it says, humble yourself. It says, pray, seek God's face and turn from your wicked ways. This is a scripture about revival. This is a scripture that gives us the ingredients to revival. And there have been countless revivals throughout history. There have been countless revivals throughout the Bible, Old Testament and the New Testament. And revivals, it's interesting, took place, always take place during times of moral darkness and national depression. And I don't know if you've taken a look around, but I'm pretty sure our nation is right in the middle of moral darkness and national depression. And I think we could stretch that out across the entire globe, which means that we're prime for a revival, which means... And every single revival in history, every single revival recorded in scripture, it began with one person. One person who said, yes, God. One person who was consecrated a servant of the most high and was willing to do anything to see a revival in their land. Every revival, every one of them included these ingredients, humility, prayer, seeking the face of God and turning from their wicked ways. Every revival, every one of them 
It included humility, repentance, tearing down pagan altars. It'd be a great study for you to study the kings throughout the Bible. Some were good kings, some were bad kings. But as you study these kings, one that I preached on last week, but revival started with tearing down pagan altars, idolatry, tearing down strongholds, and then returning back to God. And it was like a spiritual roller coaster. You know, if you read the Old Testament, the Old Testament was a spiritual roller coaster. Walking away from God, walking back to God, walking away from God, walking back to God, building up and worshiping pagan gods, false gods, tearing down pagan gods, false gods, false idols, lifting up and worshiping the one and true living God, Yahweh. It was like a spiritual roller coaster. And I wonder today if this might be you. You're on a spiritual roller coaster and you're hot for God and then you're cold for God and then you're hot for God and then you're cold for God. You're consistent in your Bible reading and then you're inconsistent. You're consistent in your church going and then you're inconsistent and you're on this spiritual roller coaster. Here's the thing about the spiritual roller coaster. If this is you today, you get to choose whether you want to stay on that roller coaster or not. You get to choose. And I don't know about you, but I'd like to be, I'd love to see, I'd love to witness, I'd love to experience a national revival. Wouldn't you love to be a part of that? In the last days, there'll be the greatest revival in the history of all revivals. Wouldn't it be great to be a part of the greatest revival in the history of humanity? No, nobody wants to be a part of that. Like, man, I, I, I want to, I give my life to be a part of that. And so today I'm going to preach a sermon called, this is revival. This is revival. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word. God, we pray that you would speak to us. God, we submit to you. We stand, we sit, we kneel, we bow humbly before you. God, speak to us in Jesus' name. We all say, amen, amen, amen. Again, let's give our worship team a round of applause for their faithfulness. You should know that Daniel and his lovely wife, Yahida, are expecting, and she has passed her due date. So I said, under no circumstances whatsoever, shall you have that baby during church? Because I need Daniel here. You're going to have to squeeze, girl. Hold back just for a little bit longer. Because I got to preach about revival and I need Daniel for a couple more hours. Then you can do whatever you got to do. I want to see God's power sweep across this nation. I know what God's power can do in an individual. I've seen God's power work in my life. And in my family's life, I've seen God's power and it's nothing short of miraculous. And I would love to experience a revival in our land. And I am here to say, yes, Lord, whatever you need from me, however you need it from me. Yes, Lord. 
And so I want to break this down into these four points today. And I want to talk about each one of these because point number one, if you're taking notes, you can write this down is that revival begins with humility. If my people are called by my name, shall humble themselves. If they'll humble themselves, that might be the smallest big word in the Bible. If, if my people, if there is a premise to the promise, if my people will do this, then I will do that. He says, if, if you will humble yourselves, I think we live in a prideful world. We live in a prideful day and age and time in history. Humility understands that I, I don't know anything. Humility, it submits to God. I submit my life to God. Humility understands I'm nothing without God. Humility understands I cannot do this on my own. Humility understands it is completely and solely dependent on God Almighty. Humility drops to its knees in reverence of God. Humility has a position that I fear God. And and I think we live in a day and age where we fear the devil more than we fear God. And that fear of God, the Bible says, is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of God is that I have this this awe, this respect, this holy fear and reverence for God. If you lived your life with a holy fear for God, it would change the way you lived your life. We don't have a fear of God. We just say, God loves me anyway. God's a God of grace and he forgives my sins yesterday, today, and forever, which is true. But Romans chapter six and chapter seven, if you study those two chapters, talks about the battle between our flesh and our spirit. And it is a battle. If you've ever given in to your flesh, it was fairly easy. Yeah. Yes. Very easy to give in to the flesh. It's easy for every single one of us. There is this battle against our sinful nature and our spiritual nature, our sinful man and our spirit man. And that's why Paul says in Romans seven, he goes, I don't understand Why I do what I say I'm not going to do. And he says, and I don't do what I say I'm going to do. I have never resonated with the scripture so much in my life. That's the one. That's the one. Have you ever been like, God, I will never do that again. And within five minutes. (laughs) You did it again. But you're like, God's a good God. And he is a good God. But Romans 6 is basically 
saying, it starts off with what shall we say then? Shall we continue on sinning so that grace may abound? In the second verse, no. Grace is not a license to sin. If you're using grace as a license to sin, you're abusing the goodness of God. And we live in this world that's so pride-filled. Like, I'm going to do what I want to do. So deal with that. It's so pride-filled. I'm right, you're wrong. Pride leads to destruction. Pride leads to our downfall. When we live in a prideful state, we lack humility. A prideful nation lacks humility. A prideful marriage lacks humility. Most marriages, most marriages that end in divorce, it is a pride issue. Most of our arguments are pride issues. I'm right. (laughs) You're not right. And it could be about the stupidest thing on planet earth. But my pride is so tall it, it, and pride, it, it divides. Humility, on the other hand, is a heart of gratitude. Listen, humility possesses a heart of gratitude, not entitlement. And the world we live in is entitled. No, not, yeah, they are. No, we are. Yeah, we are. We are entitled. We think we deserve Things in life that we don't deserve because we don't deserve anything. Look at somebody and tell them we don't deserve anything. We don't deserve anything. So the opposite of entitlement is gratitude, thankfulness. I'm appreciative. Entitlement, it's demanding. It's not appreciative. It's abrasive. It's loud. Gratitude is the opposite. It's thankful. It's appreciative. It's gentle. It's quiet. It's, it's humble. And I stand, listen, before you impact church family, I stand before you completely humble and humbled before God because of what he's doing in and through Impact Church. Listen, Impact Church, what's happening in this ministry is nothing short of revival. I'm telling you the things that God is doing in this church ministry, it's not normal. Don't lose sight. Of what God is doing in and through Impact Church. It is revival. It is revival. I had somebody tell me, uh, this like two months ago, I didn't even know this person. Like, we just, I, I, I got a word for, for, from God for you. First of all, if I don't know you, I'm not listening to your word from God. I don't believe you. I don't know you. I need to know you. But the word was that 
there's, there's going to be a revival breakout at Impact Church. Wait, 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 wait. There's already been a revival that has broken out at Impact Church. It, it's already, it's already, it's already. T- it'd be like, it'd be like the, the, the Phoenix Suns are 50 and 0. And somebody's like, I got a word. The Phoenix Suns are going to win a lot of games. You're like, wait, wait a second. God is already, we are already experiencing. Now, the very nature of the word revival means that something is dead or dying. Therefore, we need a revival. Something needs revived. Something needs to come back to life. It's the very nature of the word. In Ephesians chapter 2, it breaks it down like this. Verse 1, as for you, you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. In which you used to live in. Look at somebody and say, I used to live that way. Come on, tell somebody. I used to live that way. I used to live that way. Look at somebody else and say, don't get used to who I used to be. Come on, tell somebody. Don't get used to who I used to be. In which you used to live when you followed the ways of what? This world and the ruler in the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work with in those who are disobedient. That is the devil. That is Lucifer. That is the fallen angel of worship, by the way. So he says, you used to follow the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air. The spirit is now working those who are disobedient. Verse three, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying, gratifying the cravings of our flesh. Has anybody gratified the cravings of your flesh? Raise your hand. Let me just, I just want to know how sin filled you are. And some of you are not raising your hand which means you're lying in church. And as I always say, if you lie, you fry. And especially if you lie in church, how many of you have ever gratified the desires of your flesh? That should be all of us. Now I feel better about myself. See, don't you look around hands up. Don't you feel better about yourself knowing that almost every hand is up. There are some flawless people in here still. And he says, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving. Here's what we deserved. The wrath. God's wrath. But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in his mercy, praise God, made alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace You have been saved. And as we look around the world, I think it's overwhelmingly evident. Like there's no question that we live in a world filled with pride and we live in a world dead in its transgressions. We we, we live in a world that craves to gratify the desires of its flesh. It's evident to me that 
the love of Jesus Christ, it's dying. It's evident that the love for God's sacred church is dying. I mean, I love God, but I don't go to church. That is the biggest spiritual oxymoron that you could come up with. The church is the bride of Christ. It'd be like, I'm married to Natalie. I'd never see her. Ever. I mean, I pop in every Easter and Christmas. Hi, babe. We're still married. (laughs) And it's evident to me that the love for God's holy word is dying. It's evident to me that the spiritual fervor of Jesus Christ in the United States of America, it's dying. The love for the things that God loves, it's dying. The hate for the things that God hates, it's dying. Our reverence and awe and holy fear of God Almighty, it's dead. It seems to me that we need a national revival. We, we need a global revival. Hear me. We don't need a political movement. We need a biblical movement. We, we, don't, we don't need a right or a left movement. We need a movement centered on Jesus Christ. That is the answer. The answer is not good policy. The answer is God's presence. Revival. Policy, it can change a rule. It can change a law. But only God's presence can change the human heart. And I stand humble. I really do. In in absolute awe. That at Impact Church, God has been changing hearts. I strongly feel that Impact Church, we are experiencing a revival. We are in revival. Impact Church is in revival. Listen, today at the 1230 service, we have another 100 people getting water baptized at the 1230 service. This is revival. I said another 100 because it's a hundred again. We have baptisms on the last Sunday of every month. We just baptized a hundred. And the month before that, we just baptized a hundred. And the month before that, we just baptized a hundred. And nearly every month in 2023, we have had the honor and privilege of baptizing a hundred people every month for the entire year. In the last 13 years, in the last 13 years, 4,700 people have been water baptized. That's revival impact church. It is crazy because I keep hearing stories of people flying in from around the world. I don't know if I've said this. 
But I keep hearing, I'm flying in, I'm getting baptized. I'm flying in from Ohio. I'm flying in from Detroit. I'm flying in from Northern California. I'm These are just the ones that I've heard about. To I'm flying and I just got to experience impact. People are paying good money and spending good time to fly into to Arizona to be a part of what you guys are a part of every single week and don't even realize necessarily what you're a part of. It's, it's revival. It's revival. Can you imagine? I'm just asking you to imagine what started as a Bible study for the Arizona Cardinals. <laughs> it might be the only great thing that came from the Arizona Cardinals. <laughs> I feel so bad because like one of the closest friends I have on that team is here today. And I love you. And, and I don't mean that. I'm just joking. Sort of. I was just... It started as a Bible study for the Arizona Cardinals with a few people. And now I, I'm just asking you to imagine a locker room with football players in it, Bible study open to the public. And there are thousands and thousands and thousands of people in attendance every week. There's so many people that we can't figure out how to facilitate all the people and all the cars and all the bodies and all the services. This is revival. I, I love the verse. Maybe this verse is for you today in Zechariah chapter four, verse 10. It says, do not despise these small beginnings for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. He rejoices to, maybe this verse is for you. Maybe you're just starting out. You're just starting out with this business idea, with this ministry idea. You're just starting out. You're about to start a work. Don't despise the small beginnings because God rejoices to see the work begin. Look at somebody and tell them, so get to work, get to work. Just recently, Impact Church, we went from, Two packed out services, wall to wall, front to back, side to side, to three. Thinking, you know, we moved in this facility three years ago on December 6th. I, I just want to tell you, it's revival. We, that was the year of COVID. Remember? Remember while everybody else was getting the Fauci ouchie, we were busy building God's church. Like... Some of you don't think I'm funny, but I don't actually care. <laughs> it's like we finally found that, that this used to be an, just the sanctuary alone. Just this sanctuary alone was an indoor trampoline facility. And then on the other side of that wall, which is the kids ministry area, that was an, a fitness, a gym. And then on the other side of that wall was a learning center. And would you have it that all three businesses just went out of business at the exact same time to help us to be able to move from our old building, which is less than half of the size of this building, into this building. And we signed a lease thinking that we easily have 10 years here. And we, we outgrew it in less than one year. And we, and we raised... We, <laughs> We raised $9 million during COVID. 
it's because everybody who's at home had nothing else to do. They're like, yeah, we'll give. We got nothing else to do. It's, it's amazing to me that we're experiencing such a move of God. This, this is revival. And here we are three years later. And now the third service today will probably be a thousand adults. I'll give you perspective. There's 1,700 chairs in here. Look around. See if you can find maybe, I don't know, 70 that are empty. So we went to three services and the first two services are still full. And now the third service is probably going to have a thousand adults. We had an encounter night. Do you know what encounter is? Some of you don't know what encounter is because God forbid you come to church on a Sunday night. But encounter night is once every five or six weeks. We just had one last Sunday night. We, 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 we had over a thousand people come last Sunday night at six, over a thousand people. Do you know what a counter is encounter? It's a two hour service. And all it is, is we're going to worship God and we're going to get in the middle of his presence and we're going to just worship and sing and worship and sing and pray and pray for one another. And last week was two and a half hours and nobody left. This is revival, Impact Church. This is revival. And it starts with humility. If you want revival in your marriage, it starts with humility. If you want revival in your family, it starts with humility. If you want revival in your heart, it starts with humility. Number two is revival starts with prayer. If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray. And pray. Uh, my, my prayer for our church has been the prayer of Jabez. And his prayer in First Chronicles 4.10, it says that Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain and God granted his request. That's my prayer. God enlarge our territory. Clearly we need larger territory. Clearly we need larger space. Clearly we need a different solution. I'm so jealous of my pastor friends across the nation. You know, my friend that was here two Sundays or was it last Sunday? I don't remember, but his name is Stephen Chandler. And he did a great job. He pastors a church up in the Baltimore in the Maryland area. You know, they bought 100 acres right outside of Washington, D.C. They bought 100 acres. You know how much it cost them? Four million bucks. We're looking at 17 acres in Scottsdale. You know how much it will cost us? 17 acres in Scottsdale. It's not Washington, D.C., but it's Scottsdale for dirt. There's no building on it. I don't even think there's a tree. It's just dirt. You didn't get a tree included. $30 million. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so that little noise you made, I've been feeling that. $30 million. I'm so jealous of my friends across the nation. I'm so jealous. As I am. I'm envious. I, you got it? <laughs> Let me know, girl. Hey, we'll meet right after this. I got a special dinner prepared for you. <laughs> I know we'll get it. (laughs) On time, God. On time, God. 
I wish you could have seen last Sunday night an encounter when we said, if you want to be prayed for and about 500 people lined up to get prayed for this is revival. Let me just brag on the revival that God is doing our young adults ministry, the rally, we call it rally young adults ministry led by pastors, Darrison and pastor Whitney. It is coming up on almost 500 young adults every Thursday night. 500. 500 young adults every... Did you know that we actually charter a professional bus every Thursday evening to go down to Grand Canyon University and pick up a bus full of students who couldn't come otherwise? And it's full. 50 students every Thursday evening. It cost Impact Church. We made a deal with the with the with the the, the bus company. It costs us six hundred and fifty four dollars every Thursday for one bus. We now need two buses. Maybe you want to sponsor that, and you just say, you know, I'll pay for the bus every year. I'll pay for the bus every week. Maybe you want to sponsor that. I can't think of much better than to sponsor getting young adults into the presence of God every single Thursday night. 500. It might be, I say this humbly, but it might be the most popping young adults ministry in the nation. It's absolute fire. This is revival. This is revival. Pinnacle High School is having revival. If you have a child in Pinnacle High School, you need to listen up. It's a public school. A really big one. Pinnacle High School. At the beginning of the year, a football player, a Pinnacle High School football player, wanted to start a Bible study for people at his school. He started a Bible club. You know what he calls it? Club Impact. He started Club Impact that meets every Monday, listen, on their lunch break. They meet on their lunch break. It's student-led. It's student-initiated. Their first meeting was August 31st. They had 35 students in attendance. Guess, just guess how many students out of 35 raised their hand to receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior that first day. 27. 27 students right in the middle of their high school campus. Right in the middle of their high school campus. A public school. This is revival. Pinnacle High School, its club impact is, is now, is now running 150 students every single Monday and growing and growing. Are you kidding me? This is revival. Maybe you're a young person, elementary school, middle school, high school, maybe a college student. Maybe you want to start a club at your school. I'm here to tell you that if you just say yes to God, he will use you mightily. Don't you think it'd be great to have some young people rise up and say, I'll say yes, God. I'll say yes, God. Do not despise small beginnings. The Lord rejoices to see the work done. First Timothy chapter four, verse 12. It says, don't look, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. But set an example 
for the believers in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity. I'm so proud of the young people of Impact Church. Maybe, maybe you're not so young. <laughs> you're, you're not young anymore. But you know what? You can still start a Bible. You can still start a Bible club at your business, your place of work. Stop being so selfish and it's about you and making money. Start using your business as your church. That's your ministry. Those are people God put in your life and you have a responsibility to lead. To lead. This is revival. Last Easter we had a record last Easter we had a record breaking 19,000 people here for Easter. 19, uh, over 19,000, 19,000. I, I, I preached nine services after having a stroke five months earlier. It's a miracle. It's, it's revival. God's hand is on impact church. I don't know why. I don't know why, but it is. And I'm so humbled to be a part of it. Next Easter, we're like, well, what are we going to do? I have that thought every Easter. Well, how are we going to do this? And so this Easter, we're going to try something different. We actually leased and rented the Chicago Cubs spring training facility to have one big, massive Easter service. It's a 20-minute drive. If you show up here, we won't be here. We'll be over there. Wouldn't it be cool just to have like 20,000 people all at once? You'll see how big Impact Church is in that very moment. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. I have been for 30 years since I gave my life to Jesus Christ and I will continue to pray for revival, but not just for revival and impact church. My prayer is revival in every church. My prayer is not revival for Scottsdale. It's revival for every city in our state, every city in our nation. It's not just for revival in our schools. It's for revival in every school. Listen, a revival cannot be confined or contained inside of a single location. It's like a spark that sets a wildfire ablaze. I pray that God brings our nation back to life. I pray that God brings morality back to life. I pray that God brings marriages back to life and the importance and the sacredness of marriage. I pray that God brings families back to life. I pray that our schools, our city, our nation, our world, it begins to seek the face of God. That's number three. Revival begins with seeking God's face. If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face, my face. What are you, what are you seeking today? What, what are you chasing? What are you chasing? What are, what are you seeking? Because the, the, the world, the world seeks Pleasure. I, I, it just feels right. Feels good. The world seeks 
pleasure. The world seeks power. The, the, the world seeks money and possessions. What about you? What are you seeking? And how can you prove it to yourself? Yeah, I'm seeking God. How can you absolutely, undeniably prove to yourself that you're seeking God? That you're seeking God. Because even when it comes to seeking God, oftentimes we seek the wrong things. We seek God's hand, not his face. We want a handout. God, help me. God, bless me. God, save me. God, forgive me. God, give me your favor. God, open this door. God, bring the right opportunity. God, bring the right person. God, heal me. We seek God's hand. But seeking God's face is about intimacy. It's about intimacy and an intimate relationship with God Almighty. If you want revival, you have to seek the face of God. If you want your marriage to be revived, seek the face of God, not the hand of God. If you want your family to be revived, seek the face of God, not the hand of God. If you want your business to be revived, seek the face of God. Not the hand of God. Do you know what the Old Testament word, the Hebrew word for face, it's translated presence. I'm seeking the presence of God when I seek the face of God. It's all about intimacy and getting to know God. It's all about intimacy. Jeremiah 29 verse 3 verse 13, he says, you will seek me and find me when you seek with all your heart. Jesus said in Matthew 7, 7, he said, ask, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. I think God put so many doors. Here I am. Here I am. You're just going through life. Here I am. And we just look, we just look the door. We just look it off. I don't want to knock on that door. I'm not ready yet. You're not ready yet? For what? For God to change your life forever? You're not ready for the goodness of God? You're not ready for the peace of God? You're not ready for the power of God? You're not ready for the purpose that God has designed you for? Not yet? You want to still keep living for yourself. So I looked that door off. I'm not going to open. I'm not even going to knock. I'm not even going to look at it. But he says... You will find me when you seek me with your whole heart. And number four is that revival begins with turning from your wicked ways. I think we think of wicked like, you know, satanic or, you know, some monster type. Wicked ways is anything that doesn't please God. Whatever doesn't please God is, is, is wicked. And he says to turn, turn from your wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. We, we don't like to turn. Do you like to turn from your ways? I don't. We don't like to turn from our ways. We want, we want God to forgive our sins and heal our land. But we want to keep walking in our own ways. Guess what? It doesn't work like that. 
turning from is a part of repentance. Turning from, I turn from it. I turn. I, I. <laughs> Some of you heard the story I've shared with you many times, but like, I, you know, when I was in high school and was at this party and, you know, we're all drinking and, you know, getting high and all kinds of stuff. And I had my letterman's jacket on because that's what cool high school kids do. Like they wear a letterman's jacket everywhere. You had to have it. And then you graduate and you're like, I will never wear that again so long as I shall live. You know, but you had to have it and you had to have all this stuff on it to make, it was like, that's who I am. And so like I had a, a basketball patch and a baseball patch and a football patch. And then I had a cross. And as I met this party and my friend was like, bro, I love the jacket. Things fire. I was like, thanks, man. And he's like, you know, I'm just wondering, what's the plus sign for? <laughs> True story. You know, I sat there and I go, that's not a plus sign, man. That's the cross of Jesus Christ. And I witnessed to this guy and I wasn't even saved. I knew, I knew about God, but I didn't know God. I knew who he was and what he could do for me. But I hadn't turned from anything. I hadn't repented of anything. I, I wanted to walk in my way, but I wanted God to bless it. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't work like that. Turning is part of repentance. You know, in the book of Revelation, it's 22 chapters long. You should read it if you haven't read it. There's this dude named John. He has been basically left for dead on the island of Patmos, and he has this vision. They think he's dead. They leave him there, and he has this vision. It's now the book of Revelation, 22 chapters long. In the first several chapters... It starts off with these letters written to seven churches. And to the church in Ephesus, this is what he said in Revelation chapter two, verse four and five. He said, you have forsaken. Look what that says. The love you had at first. Consider how far you've fallen. Repent and do the things that you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand. From its place. Listen, Impact Church, what I'm saying today is that our world needs repentance. We live in a world where corruption is stronger than conviction. We live in a world where instead of repenting of our sins, we rationalize our sins. Instead of preaching repentance, we preach tolerance. Instead of confessing our sins, we cover up our sins. But revival starts by stepping out of the dark and walking into the light. Revival starts with confession and repentance and forsaking. Forsaking's a big deal. Forsaking. I'm done with that. I'm done with that. And I'm, I'm turning to God and his word and away from the world. And this is what's going to happen is you're going to start pursuing God and the devil with all of his tricks and all of his schemes and all of his, he's going to try to bring this back up in front of you. Even though you're walking this, he's going to bring it right back around to you because he knows the potential that you have for Jesus Christ. So he wants to shut you down before you even get going. Do you remember when we got Kevin Durant last year and I was so excited. It's like coming back his first game. 
He starts warming up, rolls his ankle. Well, he's out for a while. That's what the, the devil's like. You about, to, you about to step on the court for Jesus? Let me, see if I, let me see if I can slow that down. Let me see if I can stop that. And that's the importance and the power of godly, Holy Ghost-filled, Christ-like relationships and the support that's around you. I tell God, I repent. I turn to God. That's what repentance is. Repentance isn't just saying I'm sorry. It's, it's confessing and it's turning. It's telling and it's turning. And one of the greatest revivals ever recorded, by the way, is the book of Acts. It, it's the birth of the early church. If you read the book of Acts, Jesus died. He rises again. He appears, the Bible says, to over 500 people. We're now in the book of Acts chapter 1. And he goes to his disciples and he says, don't leave until you receive the promise of the Father. The book of Acts chapter 2, 120 disciples are in the upper room. They're praying to God. They don't even know what they're waiting for. They're just in the presence of God. And revival breaks out. Revival breaks out. In the book of Acts, this is where thousands upon thousands, they surrender their life to Jesus Christ. It's where the 120 in the upper room were baptized in the fire of the Lord and began speaking in tongues. It's where the power of the gifts of the Holy Spirit begin to manifest. Speaking in tongues and prophecies and healings and the demon possessed set free. But listen, listen, it started with repentance. This is what Acts 2.38. This is the beginning of the book of Acts and the beginning of the move of God. The beginning of the revival. Peter replied, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Listen, three verses later, he just said, repent and be baptized. Repent and be baptized. Three verses later, those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. That day. And, and, and by the way, in Bible times, they, they only counted men. So 3,000 men plus their wives and children. That is revival. That is revival. Here's the good news about God's word is he says in first John chapter one, verse nine, if we confess our sins, let's read this one together out loud. First John one, nine, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Let's close out with this next verse. Romans chapter 10, verse nine. Read it with me. Here we go. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Yeah. Yeah. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you, God, that. Lord, you, you love us so much that you've given us 
this scripture to revive our hearts, to revive our souls, our spirits, our emotions, our marriages, our relationships, our cities, our nations. God, today we come before you. We come before you. And as we are in your presence, standing humbly before you, we ask, God, that you would start a revival within me. Remember, I said at the beginning, revival, it always starts with one person that says yes to God, that says, I will say yes, God, however you want to use me, use me. I consecrate myself. I set myself apart today. I surrender my life to you today. If you're here today and you've never made a decision, you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. Listen, I want, I want to invite you to do that right now, to surrender, to surrender. No more running, no more hiding. I'm going to surrender. If I confess my sins, God, I know that you're faithful, that you're just to forgive me my sins and to purify me from all unrighteousness. So listen, if you're here today and you say today, you're speaking to me, I want to surrender my life to Jesus Christ. I want to give my life to Jesus Christ today. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, would you raise your hand right where you are? Come on, raise your hand right where you are. Raise it high, raise it high, loud. I want to surrender my life to Jesus. There's so many hands, you guys. I'm, I'm proud of you. Come on, keep them up. Just a minute. Keep them up for just a minute. I want to surrender today my life to Jesus Christ. God, you see every hand that is held high today. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. Would you do that right now? You pray. God, today, I believe. Today, I surrender. Today, I confess that you are Lord. You are Lord. You are my God. You're not just my Savior, God. You're my master. And God, I surrender to you today. Thank you for joining us today. If you said that prayer and accepted Jesus into your heart, it's the best decision you could ever make. We want to celebrate with you and get you more connected. Visit impactchurch.com for more information about our church and how you can get plugged in here with us. Be sure to subscribe and share today's message with your friends. Thanks for tuning in. And we can't wait to hear how God has made an impact in your life.